Hello, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioan Show. Yes, we are back after a long hiatus. My name is Ron Silico, and this is episode 57. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Scott Schulte, who is a CRNA with the Cleveland Clinic, and he'll talk a little bit about what that acronym means in a moment and what he does professionally. The reason we have Scott on the show is what I call Silico Rule Number 6, and it's kind of transferring it from texting to Twitter. Uh, Silico Rule Number 6 for me means anytime there's a back-and-forth texting exchange of more than four messages, I then want to have a conversation. And Scott and I had a conversation on Twitter last week about net neutrality, and we had some differing viewpoints on that, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, But I reached out to Scott and I'm curious about it, wanted to learn more about his perspective, and and he's agreed to come on the show. So thank you, Scott, for agreeing to join me on the show today. Sure, an honor to be here. And just a a quick correction, it's CRNA at the Crystal Clinic. It's it's an outpatient surgery center. It's orthopedics and plastics. Okay, thank you. Sorry, Scott, thank you for the clarification. If you could, Scott, tell... If you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your background, um, how you got into Ohio, what you do professionally, and um, and then we can get into the conversation about some of the things we had Dad, talked about earlier. Can turn my watch sure, sure. I think I hear your kids there, but yeah. I'll yes. just get to talk. So, Dad, you know, <laughs> so, my mom and dad were both in the um, healthcare profession growing up. My dad was a physician assistant. My mom was a nurse, and. And they always kind of pointed me in the, the healthcare profession as a, as a good, solid foundation for a job with, you know, where you can take care of people and you can also earn a decent, decent salary while doing good for society. So it was kind of my parents that led me into this, this career that I'm in in nurse anesthesia. I went out to, went out to school at uh, Ohio State. I spent uh, four years out there. Actually five because I took a year of not knowing what I really wanted to do with my time. So took five, five years at Ohio State. I became a nurse. I, uh, Worked in the critical uh, in an internship for a little while at the Ohio State University Medical Center, and then I went out to the uh, the Cleveland Clinic and worked in the uh, the open heart unit in the uh, the ICU where we took care of uh, fresh open heart patients who just had mitral valve repairs or aorta valve replacements and cabbages times three, four, five, you name it. And I spent some time there, about two years at the Cleveland Clinic, and then I worked, went into anesthesia school. And I did anesthesia school, a 27-month course, uh, and that, I did that at the University of Akron and finished up as a CRNA and nurse anesthetist. And I went and worked for Parma Hospital for about four years, and I am now at the Crystal Clinic, and I practice anesthesia, doing mainly do orthopedics and outpatient and, and plastic cases. Okay. And if you could, Scott, could you tell us a little about, about your family and where you live right now? Okay, so my family, we grew up in upstate New York, near Albany, and it's between Albany and Saratoga, which is Clifton Park. Um, my family was kind of dealing with some, uh, my mom was dealing with some health issues, so when I was going out to school, my parents actually moved out to Arizona, and then I came out to Ohio kind of at the same time, so I was at, uh, went to Ohio State, like I previously mentioned, and, and my family moved out to Tucson, Arizona, and, we, you know, we didn't talk a whole lot when I was in school, it, it was just sort of 
checking in here and there, how things are going, and I didn't really have any, I don't know, I'd like to say I had better conversations with my parents growing up, but I, you know, I kind of grew up and kind of did my own thing, they kind of let me do my own thing, and as you and I previously discussed, I took out a lot of debt to to be a nurse at an out-of-state school and to, to go on anesthesia, and, and for most people who don't know, I mean, most people in anesthesia come out with probably six figures in debt, so... Yes, it's a uh, it can be a lucrative career, but uh, you're also you're also way way in over your head with debt, so it kind of kind of evens out when it's all said and done, and it takes you a long time, probably 15 years before you're paying off your uh, before you're feeling like you're living comfortably after you're paying off all your loans. So um, that's a little bit about my family, I suppose. I, I my dad moved uh, my dad moved we moved out to Ohio since I since I sort of bought a house. He wanted to be. He's retired now, and he wanted to be closer to his grandkids. I have two kids, two and four, so he wanted to spend some more time with his grandkids and, and kind of re-engage with me because we kind of, like I said, we didn't kind of talk much growing up, and uh, you now he's trying to reconnect a little bit with me, and we can do some bike riding, we do some rides on, on Sunday morning, and we can uh, do some of those things that we didn't previously do growing up. So it's kind of nice to do all those things now. Cool. Well, that, that's great. Uh, uh, so Something I, I know we we initially had the conversation about net neutrality, but uh, I, I know that you're in healthcare, and and that's such a such a hot topic today <laughs> in society. So, uh, you, know, you know, kind of the first direction I want to ask you about is you know the schooling piece itself. Uh, I, I'm certainly not as well versed in, in the intricacies of the healthcare system as you are. Uh, but one thing I've yeah. one thing I've got concerns about is the supply and demand of healthcare professionals in of itself, and, it, and in my mind, it kind of speaks to the point that you said about the. I mean, th- first of all, it, it's a very competitive process as it should be. You want to get great people into these healthcare positions uh, post postgraduate, yeah. but there's such restrictions on the supply. I know many states only have one medical school or, or these kind of places in their states, certainly in the training of doctors, uh, but certainly in the levels even that you're talking about. I'm bothered, and I, I approach a lot of this from a free market perspective, and I'm I'm really bothered by the amount, the, the restrictions about the education, that educational opportunities that are available to people that want to be healthcare professionals. Uh, I'm concerned about the the lack of free markets in terms of hospitals from things I've read they have a lot of say whether other hospital facilities or similar type facilities can be built in their area um, it, it seems like it's a very protectionist mindset have you experienced that at all or could you speak to any of that in your experience well let me give you an example of as far as free markets and I think this is a sort of a, a debate that we will disagree on initially, mm-hmm. and I hope to maybe have future conversations with you about this issue, but the problem with free market, when I would put that in quotations, free market, is it, it really isn't free. Let me give you an example here. My dad just recently had a, a, a we'll, we'll call it a melanoma on his shoulder. Now, most he's in the healthcare field, he's a physician assistant. Most people in a free market system, if it's driven by cost and driven by, hey, how much is this going to cost, and you have these health savings accounts, what's going to happen is 
You know what? I see something on my shoulder. It doesn't look too bad. I, I'm looking at my health savings account. I only got three, four thousand dollars in there. Let me save this. I'm not going to get this melanoma checked out. It doesn't really concern me. Let me let me let it go. I just don't really want to spend the money on being my health savings account. And, and just let me just leave that in there and save it for another opportunity. So what happens now? My dad knowledgeable enough he's a PA he recognizes hey this is more than just a mole or this is more than an issue let me get this checked out most people in the healthcare who don't work in the healthcare industry would say hey you know what hey gonna let this go the money's too important right now I could spend this on things I'm gonna let this go so what happens you let that go months later and it grows and it gets bigger and then you see your 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 physician and your physician says Hey, let me do some, we need to do some tests on that. Okay, so then we go back to the free system where everybody's competing for costs. And people look around and say, let me find the best place to get this biopsy, which is the cheapest. So let me do that, and let me spend a little bit more time researching where, where I can get this, this just checked out for the cheapest cost. So you do that. And it continues to grow. And eventually, you're going to call you, you something that if you would have just spent your initial money on, you have now have spent thousands upon thousands of dollars in tests and, and, and who knows how growth it is. And then surgery, when, when initially, if you would just got initially checked out and then had it removed, you could have saved you all kinds of, all kinds of uh, headaches. But uh, again, in a free market system, which, which people kind of gravitate towards is, is what could happen, and that's, it's very dangerous to, to expect. People don't want to spend their money on, on health care. Um, you know, people want to spend their money on big, fancy TVs or cars or what, what have you, or the kids, and that kind of, on that kind of stuff. People don't want to spend their money on health care, so if they aren't forced to, to do it, they're not going to do it, and, it, it, and that's, and that's this, this whole talk of choice, you know, it will give, give you a choice, and and I think that's concerning, and I think that could be present a very big problem, and that's what presents and creates a strain on the healthcare industry. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess the other part of it that I would say is we, we don't have a free – we really don't have a free market system right now. And, you know, a, a common argument, and I'm sure you've heard it before, is you – know, in the medical area, LASIK eye surgery is an example that really hasn't been touched by insurance for a long time. And in the free and in the free market system, I mean, that was initially a multiple two, three thousand dollar surgery, and the cost has come down and the quality's improved. And you know that that's kind of the argument that that I've seen and I, and I, and I, and I side within the free market standpoint is people are, if, if, if you reduce the barriers to competition, uh, if you increase, if you increase the supply, people, people are going to go into the, they're going to go into these kind of services. If there, if there's a market and, and, and in your dad's case, there's certainly, there's certainly a, a lot of cases and a lot of people that need that care. Uh, I, I just, I just I don't see I, I see barriers to competition. I, I don't see a free market system. Um, what I do see is health insurance, whatever whatever network you're part of. Uh, you know they're they're trying to find to your point. Uh, they're trying to delay things and they're trying to they're fine they're trying to find the cheapest providers as well. And 
it, they're, they're just, it creates a lot of delays on things. It creates a lot of hassle and, and really the, the cost, the cost by and large seem to be higher than what, if, if the free market would be able to function independently. Right. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to discuss there. So first thing is most people are extremely upset with their skyrocketing deductibles, right? I think that's where this whole, this whole thing got started. Hey, my, my insurance just went up a ton as soon as Obamacare and everyone's upset with Obamacare because they're blaming Obamacare for the issue. Um, now there are bad pieces of Obamacare by and large, no, not even close to a perfect bill. It, it, there are things to fix it. The 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 ways to do it aren't being discussed currently in Congress. The problem with the health insurance marketplace is with, when you have a a insurance marketplace that is based on capitalism. What is the point of capitalism? It is to make the most amount of money possible for for companies. So what what insurance companies do if their main prof, motive is profit, they will do all they can to make as much money as they can and it doesn't matter what happens to anything else. They just their their objective is to make profit, just like any other uh, you know, any other entity. So when you have I think I am I again I maybe wouldn't exactly quote this, but I believe the healthcare industry has the top-paid CEOs in, out of every other industry, and this is healthcare. And you're talking about you're talking about people like uh, in, 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 like Heather Bresch at Milan, whose whose dad is Joe Manchin, a Democratic uh, congressman, and, and there are ties there. I don't know if you saw much of how what Milan was doing with the EpiPen and 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 things like that, and what's going on with with uh, health companies raising prices on their drugs and, and things like that. And again, when you have a, again, it's this idea of a free market system where, where, where companies are, their main motive is to make money, it creates issues. The other issue is it really isn't a free market because what happens in our industry and pharmacists will tell you the same thing is a lot of these drugs are being consumed. I mean, purchased by other manufacturers and there are no there is no competition for these drugs so when you have drugs with no competition you can just keep raising the price and people have to buy them which gets passed along to the insurance companies which gets passed along to us in the version of deductibles so those are some of the problems with the current uh, with the current way things are run as far as the healthcare industry mm-hmm. well you know it- Something, and it's it's a correlation that is evident in a lot of things. Is whenever there's government subsidies, costs go up. I don't know if you've seen this, Scott, or heard this. You know, we you you talked about the the amount of loans you have from from college, and I'm in the same situation, and and it only goes up if you look at the tuition. The, the amount of tuition has gone up since the 70s. And if you look at the yeah, amount of federal sure. subsidy, it, it, it's, it's, almost, it's almost running in, in the exact same path. And, and I see that in the healthcare industry as too. And, you know, to your point, I, I, call it, I call it being on the government tip. <laughs> and, 
whenever the whenever the whenever the government is going to give subsidies, very rarely does the government ever drop subsidies. It, it seems like the subsidy amounts go up more and more and more. Farm agriculture is another one where where people get crop incentives and the subsidies keep going and going and going. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's where I, I, I don't I don't think we have a capitalist market uh, in the truest sense because for as expensive as these procedures are because of the health in, of insurance costs and, and government involvement, businesses also you, you mentioned they're they have, they're, they're profit driven. Well, of course they are, but. If, if there if there was incentive because they weren't receiving subsidies to reduce their costs in order to make their to make it attractive for customers, they would do that. It, to me, it's no different than Apple. I, I don't know how many people would buy the Apple iPhone if it was two thousand dollars, but the technology gets right. better and better and better, and the cost keeps going down. In a lot of cases, you can get it for free because there's a partnership with a with a provider. So that that's the problem I have with it is I, I just don't see that, that, that cap, that capitalist free market system. It, it's, it's so heavily, heavily subsidized. The insurance part, the, the people that are subsidized in the, even in the insurance side of it, the people that aren't getting health services are paying for the people who do need it. And, and, so I guess that's that's kind of where I'm at with that part of it. And then, you know, the second part you mentioned with the drug thing, uh, I, I agree with you. There, there's more competition needed in the drug market. But the problem, as I see it, is, again, we don't have a free market set up because the FDA has to approve a lot of these drugs. The fees to get approvals are enormous. And getting an FDA stamp of approval doesn't mean anything. There's There's... There's been numerous drugs that have been proven harmful to humans after FDA approval. Uh, like anything else, right. there's lobbyists and pol- politics involved in that process where people, where the government's picking winners and losers in, in that area rather than, than the free market. It, it just, pharmaceutical companies in a free market system, they have no incentive to produce drugs that are going to harm people because if they do, they're going to get sued. I mean, they're liable for that, but but now you're got, you've got to go you've got to go through this FDA approval that's costing millions and millions of dollars. Well, you, you have to recoup that investment, and they're also going to have a very they're going to have a protectionist mindset, and so they don't want competition in that. And, and I understand that businesses don't want competition, uh, but but the approval process is so stringent you can't get competitors into the market. I know. I remember reading the EpiPen scenario that you referenced, and there's competitors that got that have similar products that can get into the market, but they're they're bogged down in the FDA. Well, when you've got a monopoly, you're going to charge more, and, and that's that's just the nature of it. So uh, that's where I'm coming well, from again with me, the free let me market. Talk about the, uh, let me talk about what the government does and and where and what concerns me and, and I think you and I would agree on this and and we need to hold our, our representatives accountable because I'll give you an example of what happens and I, I sort of talked about this when what happens is we the government will allow multiple companies to merge 
and mergers in the free market is bad. Would you agree with that? Because it, it creates a duopoly system and it takes the competition out of the marketplace. So, I mean, right? That we would both agree on that. So, what happens is the government is approving all these companies to be able to merge with each other. I mean, I'll give you an example outside of the uh, healthcare industry, and then and and a couple of examples. But the same thing is happening. What's happening in the airline industry? There are four airlines. It's, I believe, United Airlines, which is continental. It's American, Southwest, and what, Delta. And those four airlines control 80% of all travel in the United States, 80%. So when you have a failing free market society where there are systems in place where you can merge and you can take competition away, you create all kinds of problems. I think that I mean I don't know if you saw David Dowd in the news with the with the beatdown and that the uh, from was it United Airlines? Uh, don't quote me on that. But okay. what, why that happens is because these companies can can get away and do whatever they can get away with anything they want because there is no um, competition in the market for them to to do otherwise. You know they, because. People have to fly, and you, if you only have four airlines to choose from, eventually those there are certain routes where you have to go to a certain part of the country that you are forced to flying in that way. So these companies can can do what they want, and like in all other industries, they can do what they want uh, to do that. So what I have a problem with is in this again quotation free market society is we're letting so many mergers happen and so many companies. Big companies get they get tied up together, and it's and it's taking away from this uh, this this uh, again free market system, if you want to call it that, because it isn't anymore. It's 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 uh, um, you know another example where everybody hates the telecom industries. You know, you have your Verizon, your your Comcast, your uh, Sprint, your AT and T. There's there's what three companies where you can you, know, you can get your your telephone from, and they're all met. Luckily, they're all massively competing against each other. But mm-hmm. um, uh, that again, when you only have limited and limited uh, companies that are competing, you you drive up costs, and it happens in every industry. It happens in agriculture. It happens in healthcare. It happens everywhere. And truthfully, I mean, we really did have to hold Congress accountable to, to stop some of these murders and some of this nonsense from happening. It's just, it's just driving up prices everywhere. I mean, that, that's an interesting point. You know, I would I would counter that. You know, I, I certainly agree. You, you don't want to have a cartel of power. You know, the thing that I always look at is what are the barriers to entry, and is the government partnering with these these consolidated cartels to create monopolies? You know, I, I can you know you mentioned. Oh, yeah, I would say yes, they are. Yes, <laughs> they are because. It's- because lobbyists are, are getting their hands into the, the pocketbooks of the Congress. They're saying, hey, we will pay you this money if you vote for, for us to merge. Or, and that's, that's what's behind that new trial. We'll go back a little bit on that. But these, these main Comcast, these AT&Ts, these, uh, these companies are saying, hey, congressmen, we will donate this much money into, to help you get reelected if you vote for repealing that new salary. We will give you a huge party. We'll throw you a huge party. We'll, we'll, we'll throw all kinds of money at you as long as you vote the way we want you to vote and get away this that new salary because we can make lots of money. And unfortunately, there's too much of this this um, this 
system in place where lobbyists run the show. They tell the, the government what they want them to do, and the government just says, okay, you, you support it. Do you support my campaign? We will vote the way you want us to vote. And that's that's where government has failed us. It's essentially run by lobbyists who, with big pocketbooks who can pay off their, their congressmen. And that's where, we, where, that's where we're at, and that's what I'm concerned about. And, and yeah. that's in every single... That's in every single uh, industry. That's not just in healthcare. That's everywhere. Well, I, I agree with you 100. percent And that's not that's what you just described is not a true free market. A true free market is very little or to no barrier to entry, and the consumers are the final judges. And, and you're right. In, in that sense, well, it's not that way. <laughs> that, that's that, that's exactly my point, and, and that's. I, I agree with you 100, percent and that's that's my view. What you described is crony capitalism, and I'm just as opposed right, to corporate. Right. I, I cannot stand corporate welfare, and, and that's what that is. Uh, it's again, government is picking winners and losers, and, and my mindset that I have with it is, anytime the government makes a decision to intervene in the market. They're, they're basically picking winners and losers in some regard with every decision they make. And, sure. and, and that's why I, I sure. just, yeah, we, we do what you, I agree with you 100%. We don't have that free market. Uh, Scott, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, we're running a little short of time today. Uh, what I was hoping okay. is could we, could we touch base again? Because, you know, you mentioned something else. And, and, and I think, I, I think you and I could have these conversations. <laughs> For an extended period of time, and it would right, be we great. Have, yes, we definitely could, and it would be, it would be worthwhile. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the opiate epidemic, and would you be interested yeah. in coming back and doing another episode and, and talking through what you've observed with that, and you know, kind of what? Yeah, I could do a whole. I could do a whole show on the opiate epidemic. <laughs> I really could. Okay. And the other thing I want to talk about briefly, I don't, I don't understand we have left, but uh, again, we could continue this later. But I want to talk. Because you again, why I, I contacted you is you you mentioned deregulation, mm-hmm. and that's a libertarian view is this whole deregulation, thing. right? And and that's very concerning to me that what deregulation is and what it could and what the effects it could have. We can continue the discussion later. I can that could be a segue to a further discussion. But what I'm saying is deregulation, and if we deregulate certain things. It creates all kinds of problems, and, and I'm hoping we can talk about some of those things yeah. as well. Yeah, I, yeah. Bring, bring some examples of, of what you're talking about, because yeah, I, I think I think that would be a, a great conversation. I'll give you I will give you a local example, and this sure. affects all everyone. This is uh, especially in Ohio when we talk about the Lake Erie and the algae algae blooms. Have you been following any of that? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, so essentially we have problems with algae in Lake Erie because of the phosphorus being dumped into the lake from, from uh, you know, whether it be farming or whether it be uh, fertilizer or whatever else. So what happens is this phosphorus enters our lakes and it causes all kinds of problems in our lake and it makes it very bad and they right. have to, um, we have to clean it up. And this is this is something that luckily right now we have, you know, uh, the... Uh, the White House did not want to give money for Lake Erie. Luckily, we have some, at least some government, some people who have some morality to save the lakes and recognize how important it is. But what happens is when you deregulate things, you allow these companies to dump their phosphorus or you dump their fertilizers into the lake, and and people don't, without sort of 
regulations as they prevent them from doing though that uh, they won't do it it's 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 uh, historically speaking you've said hey voluntarily will you do these things that's good for the lake you need to be responsible but if you look on the history of that they aren't they aren't uh, responsible and, and it destroys the lake so you need regulation that's just an example of where you would need regulation to make sure that people are accountable for the issues of phosphorus in our lakes, and it's very important. I think the Lake Erie thing is sort of needs to be discussed in a big way, and especially in our area in Ohio, how important sure. the Great Lakes are for 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 um, you know for our state. Well, th- this is where don't don't get me wrong. I, when when I say deregulation, I, I, I do believe in that, but what I also mean is. Uh, libertarians especially subscribe to a theory called the non-aggression principle. And basically what that is, is if someone com- com- if someone does a physical act that harms me, I, I sh- there should be an adjudication process to handle that. Uh, th- there, without a doubt, anyone that pollutes Lake Erie is violating the non-aggression principle. And that's okay. where the courts should be stepping in and saying this. Again, what, what you see with regulations is you've got lobbyists involved, you've got industry insiders involved, you've got people that right. Right. You know, perhaps take it, you know, if, if, there's, if there's one one millionth of a part in the water, they think that's too much. You know, they, there's extremes that get involved in both sides of it. That's where I have the issue with regulations, by and large, the way they're created is there's extremists on both sides of it that are, that, that get involved with it, and and it really, it really is a restriction. You know, I don't know where you're at in the carbon argument. Again, we could talk about this more, that the CO2 admissions. Well, humans breathe out CO2 all the time, but we've, we're human beings. We're inhabitants of the earth and that's been deemed not to violate the non-aggression principle. So I think there's varying levels of it and there's varying levels of acceptance with it. Uh, But that, that, that's where I see the problem with regulations is, and again, it's often, the, the regulations are also are often built to because there are industry insiders that are involved in it. There's such a high cost to comply with the regulations that only the big boys can comply with it, and that is another barrier to entry. So, I don't know if that speaks specifically to the Lake Erie example, but in a lot of the other regulations, uh, that that that's certainly been seen time and time again. There's. You know, the last point before I go today, there's in in Louisville, close to where I'm living, there's a, a food truck regulation that was passed by city council that restricts like service provided food trucks from being within 150 feet of a restaurant that serves similar food. Oh, yeah, you know, I saw that. I was following I, that a lot. I mean, that, I, that, I, that, that's a quote, unquote, that's a quote, unquote, regulation barrier to entry. Where that that is very protectionist, and, and again, that was done by insiders, and, and and that's where I have the problem with regulations and the politics of it is 
just like any other, again, I go back to government decisions where you have winners and losers. People are lobbying for these things, and they're putting in, they're putting people, they're putting money in people's pockets on both sides of the aisle, and and, and that's that's where I have the problem with it. Versus the non-aggression principle, it's just I or a group of citizens should be able to file a lawsuit against someone who's violating the non-aggression principle, and they're directly liable to this group to do. To, to either show that they're handling waste in this case responsibly or they're not. Uh, but but sure. again, when you, when you have the regulations, that that's right. I get tongue tied with it, and and I feel the frustration on a lot of levels. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, well, hey, this is a great talk. I mean, I don't know how much uh, how much more time you got, but uh, yeah. you know this is. Good. There's a whole lot of stuff I'd like to talk with you about, and uh, yeah, you know, I hope to continue. Yeah, well, let's let's circle back. We'll set up a time offline to to, to do another session. We could talk about the opiate academ- epidemic because th- th- that's such a hot button topic, especially in Ohio, and uh, and it, it's all parts of the the United States, uh, but in Ohio, not only urban areas but rural areas have been hit very hard by it. So I, I'm curious to hear your take on that. Sounds good. Okay. Well, audience, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioan Show. This was episode 57, and we were talking to Scott Schulte today, and more to come with Scott. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great day.